Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's good, Internet? I am your host, Igor Bonifacic. You're listening to the Mobile Syrup Podcast, otherwise known as the Syrupcast. It is the week of January 20th. We are on episode 104. If you're listening to this episode, on the one hand, um, the world has not ended. On the other hand, uh, President-elect Donald Trump is now president of the United States, Donald Trump. Uh, as is usually the case, you take what's good uh, and leave the rest. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Patrick O'Rourke, senior editor at Mobile Syrup. What's that, good? That was a good intro. I think it's the best intro you've done. That was I, really nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, sometimes, and this being that one sometime, I'm joined by Rose Bihar. Hello. How's it going, Rose? Very, very good. Excited to drop some hot takes today on you. I'm excited to hear them. Uh, and we have the privilege and honor of being joined today by, for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, uh, Shane Dingman. Shane. Woo! Hello. Hello. Thank you for, for having me. It's my honor. Entirely my honor. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, for those who don't know, do you want to tell us uh, what you do? I'm a technology reporter for the Globe and Mail, which means all of your business, businessy technology stuff. I try to sound but I'm, I, like I know what I'm talking about on that. Wonderful. Uh, so we're going to just jump into the music and then we'll be right back. Uh, so welcome back. This week uh, we have, a, um, let's say, a full CanCon list of topics to talk about and the first thing that we wanted to talk about is uh rose wrote a wonderful feature if you haven't uh read it yet it's on mobilesyrup.com uh it is about freedom mobile's uh lte network recently launched uh sometimes troublesome one might say uh so rose do you want to kind of launch us into this topic and then we'll yeah absolutely so Everybody who reads Mobile Syrup or a large contingent of our readers really care about uh, Freedom Mobile, mm -hmm. uh, nay, Wind Mobile. Yes. Um, and so when they launched their LTE network, it was a really big deal. And the launch didn't quite go as planned. Uh, there was a period of uh, several weeks where they said it had been launched and it was not working for people. So, mm -hmm. so it, it, it was launched, had... but not publicly, right? Was that the thing? So they yeah. publicly launched it. They announced it, and it just wasn't working. And then they said, well, we still need to do some optimization. So whether or not that's backtracking or whatever, we don't know. And um, But now it's up and running in downtown Toronto and downtown Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And so uh, being in Toronto, uh, we were able to grab an LG V20 and grab a uh, ZT Grand X4 and take those out for a spin with the the Freedom Mobile LTE SIMs, and um, and see how it worked. And and we'll be doing that in Vancouver too, uh, we believe. But for now, it's just Toronto. So I basically hopped on the subway, <laughs> took it all the way west. Well, not all the way west. Took it very far length west. Took it all the way up to Finch Station in the north. Um, did some testing in the east where I live about, and. Um, 
and then also sort of down in the downtown core, south uh, around the downtown. And at the same time, we tested uh, Bell's network, TELUS's network, and mm-hmm. Roger's network as well to sort of see how it fit into the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the test results were really interesting. I mean, a good thing to keep in mind is that it is really a traffic-free network right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are not many people on it, as All far as we people. can tell. Yes. <laughs> so uh, things may change in the future. It'll be interesting to see what the speeds are like in the summer, in the fall. Right. Um, but for now, Freedom did uh, do pretty well. Mm-hmm. And another thing to mention is, of course, this is the AWS 3 Spectrum. Mm-hmm. That is a new and obscure Spectrum that was auctioned off uh, not long ago in Canada and the U.S. So it's taken them a bit of time to get it up and running. And that is also why uh, only two phones currently support it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that needs to be built into the phones in the future. Um, anyway, the network speeds were pretty good really like they slotted in under bell and Telus by a significant amount but above rogers by a significant amount mm-hmm. and i know shane that's something that yeah. you were talking i saw that right about. away in the chart i was looking you know obviously i skip right to the infographics that's all i care about yes. uh, you know <laughs> but you know rogers believes that it has fixed its wireless business in terms of like losing some of its revenue per user and you know the one thing that the tenure of guy lawrence seems to have been successful at is to stop the bleeding there but if they are going to be a fourth place player in a gigantic market like Toronto in terms of service, quality of service, that suggests perhaps more challenges ahead. Yeah, I mm. mean that's big. I, again, like we'll have to see if. if yeah, now how many can how many methodological up. questions have you gotten in the comments about? Well, actually, like, you used Ookla. I don't trust Ookla and all the rest <laughs> of it. Um, well, I was accused of being cheap, which I, to be fair, am, <laughs> you and added. not paying for the speed test, <laughs> and also not closing down the ads. You added like a note too that said that it wasn't a scientific test; it's like an estimate. Mm. Well, so yeah, I said, I mean, like I would feel very secure in the samples that I took. But I took nine samples for each of the different locations with each of the different uh, networks. It's not exhaustive. Uh, it really is not. So it is going to be very interesting when we see PC Mag uh, do their annual report on it, mm-hmm. uh, or if we do more extensive testing in the future as well. But um, but the but the actual like the indications I think are still interesting. Mm-hmm. And I did do it in a variety of different locations. What time roughly were you doing it? Uh, like morning and at early afternoon. Yeah. And then also I I did a mix of indoor and outdoor, which I know people wonder about with freedom. Right. Um, just you know, because their service currently often when you're in a in a room with brick walls, it's or just Pearson, right? or just Pearson. Pearson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, I definitely feel confident in the methodology we used. But having said that. Of course, it's not exhaustive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I was reading your story, um, I guess one of the things that popped into my head and I thought a lot of readers will probably be wondering about is how long until more devices will work on that particular network? Yeah, absolutely. So that was something interesting because I also talked to Brian O'Shaughnessy, who's head, head of technology services at Freedom. And he was extremely confident about the fact that by mid this year, all new phones would be supporting AWS three. Um, all new phones. All new phones, and I and so I said yeah. uh, the iPhone, and he was yeah. like, "Well, I'll just you know keep my fingers crossed for that one." 
I think um, Tim Cook read your story was like, you know what? We got to spite those Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, that's why he was confident is because uh, Verizon and AT&T mm-hmm. purchased a lot of AWS3 Spectrum yeah. um, at the same time as, as uh, Freedom did. So it's not they're not doing it for freedom. They're doing mm-hmm. it for these huge American players. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would sort of tend to believe him. I think we'll see a lot more phones coming out throughout this year. To make it an almost a non-issue, mm-hmm. um, but if the next iPhone comes out and it does not support AWS three uh, band sixty six, it is uh, that's going to be pretty damning. I think that's going to be a, a big issue for mm-hmm. for freedom. I would suspect it won't, um, but I don't think that it will necessarily be damning. It's just iPhone mm-hmm. they're 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 slow on um, on bandwidth. Like for yeah. China, they took yeah. forever to get uh, machines that would work on the, on China or sorry radios that work on China's best network. Right. So it's not it's not necessarily you know iPhone uh, is damning you. They're just they can be slow. Like, right, <laughs> and I think that might be there's another good point there too. Is like, well, a lot of freedom users prefer inexpensive, mm-hmm. <laughs> inexpensively yeah. priced stuff. So maybe they're mostly on Androids anyway. Yeah, and you also have know. to keep in mind when the iPhone first launched ten years ago. Now, um, you know, it was only on AT and T, right? And yet. It was enough to bring people to this network that had not the best reputation at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this kind. If you want the iPhone, there are much better, greater barriers than the network. I think at this point, right? right. Like you're right. going to move. So, right. Yeah. Um, and so speaking with Brian O'Shaughnessy was also interesting in that we we touched on the bear, which we have talked about before. Yeah, you've seen so the bear. This is a hot what topic. Is, what bear? is your opinion on the bear? I mean. Compared to like what Quachi as a recent Canadian, uh, you know, kind of logo, like Canadians and logos, unless it's a beaver, I'm not, you know, it's not going to go over. That's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah. So I, I said, you know, how does the bear fit into all of this? Uh, and they were like, well, we run everything by the bear. He knows all. Oh. So I think that that sort that's of that's why he just like got that unblinking stare. He's just yeah. You know. Yeah. Did you interview the bear though? That's what I, I was did. disappointed that you I, didn't I interview the bear. I was wondering why he wasn't in the room. I was a little offended, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, one of our commenters made a great point that if the bear didn't have fingers and toes, he would be a lot less scary. Mm-hmm. And that's I think true. that's that's a that's a valid point. Um, Brian's a really interesting guy. He also had a collection of antique. Uh, cell phones in his office. Antique cell phones? Yes. Wow. How do you define an antique? Like 25 years plus is an antique? So or? he had the first mobile phone. Wow. The, the uh, Motorola Dynatac the, 8000X. The suitcase? Or? Just, no. It wasn't the a bag phone. Yeah, yeah, handset. Yeah. And it was just a brick and wow. I like snatched it up immediately and then realized I was probably holding like Several thousand dollars. I don't know how much that is. You were holding a piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's one true. man's trash, another's treasure, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're worth quite as much as retro games are. That's that's probably true. It actually. wasn't in the box, in other words. Yeah. It was not in it's a been box. Handled in a box. Yeah, he didn't glare at me for like grabbing it up either. So I guess it's probably how heavy is it though? It was, I think, a good like seven pounds. Holy. <laughs> Just put things that that puts everything in perspective, right? Yeah, yeah stop yeah. complaining about your iPhone. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, but speaking of retro games, uh, one maker of dare I say the best retro games, uh, announced a new console. Um, that is the Nintendo Switch. 
uh, we covered it during the interesting, uh, what was it, 11 o'clock at night because they yeah. were doing Tokyo time. Solid timing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Pat, do you want to take us through that announcement? Yeah, sure. Um, so we all knew that Nintendo was going to announce a new console, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, I guess. Um, and there's kind of, I guess, inklings of what it may look like. Uh, we knew it was going to be some kind of hybrid device. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pretty much all of the rumors turned out to be true. Uh, what it is basically is a tablet uh, with controllers called Joy-Con controllers that you, you can attach to the side of it. Great name, by the way. Yes. <laughs> but you can also take this device and plug it into a docking bay, and then that same game that you're playing on the go on your way to work or whatever shows up on your TV, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of like the video game console that I imagined in my mind as a kid. Like, that's what I always wanted. I always wanted to have the same experience on the go um, as I could have at home. Mm-hmm. And because I spend a lot of my time commuting now, that sort of fits into my my lifestyle today. Yeah. Uh, so I like that about it. I think it's a cool concept. I think it's a novel idea. But there's also like a lot of bad stuff about it too. Uh, Nintendo has a lot of problems with third-party support. Um, the launch lineup right now is like me and you were going through it yesterday on a live stream. There's like four games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more coming out in the launch window, uh, but Nintendo is notorious for delaying the first-party games. A lot of them aren't going to hit hit those dates, uh, as I'm sure we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's underwhelming in terms of power. It runs on like a custom NVIDIA Tegra processor, which is already outdated. It's custom, so we don't know like what the actual benchmarks are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but speculation, like people talking on the internet, indicates that it's probably going to be still slightly less powerful than the Xbox One and PS4. Right. Um, so it's I, I always respect Nintendo for doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love this thing to be successful, but I'm sort of tied on whether it will or not. Um, right. Because there's so many things that could go wrong. And I just don't think that that third-party support is going to be there. Uh, so, Shane, you were, I believe, if I recall correctly, when I checked Twitter uh, that night, you were issuing uh, or rattling off, one might say, hot takes. <laughs> uh, so, lay it on us. Yeah, I, pre- I preheated the hot take oven just, yes. <laughs> just for this moment. Well, I think... I'm with you, Patrick. It was the same. It was the same moment where I was like, "Oh yeah, it does all these things I wanted to do. Fantastic!" Um, but I think I, maybe unlike you, I'm not so worried about the downsides. Um, first of all, I mean, what are we going to describe as a success? The Wii U sold under 14 million units. Yeah, but that's, that's a flop. So yeah. I think this will probably sell more than that. It just feels like it's it's got more going on in it than that. I think the other thing to think about the e, the Wii U is people. For the longest time, if you were covering Nintendo at the when it came out, they thought that the controller was the whole unit. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that feedback seems to have been what they took back with the Switch, and they said, "Oh wow, we should just make that controller the console." And for like my life, and for life of older Nintendo gamers, the idea, the ability to play on the couch, not monopolize the big TV, is like the best. Yeah, I love that. Be able to play a full console game, Skyrim on my lap with like little controllers. Skyrim's old. Who cares? But you know to play mario to play link you know to, oh my god i'm so excited about the chance to play video games on my lap that are good you know like I, i'm not a ds person they that's the most successful console device that nintendo has ever sold their ds's are just bonkers you look at the numbers but i like console games but i also at this point in my life have to share resources and i think that the ability to have all that fidelity and control on your lap, even for like only two or three hours at a time, which is terrible if that's really what it's going to be in terms of battery life. Um, it sounds really good. And yeah. I, I can't imagine it's not going to sell tens of millions of units, you know. And I mean, Nintendo's sort of on a high right now to a certain extent, too. Like, 
just Pokemon Go. They a lot of people don't realize that they're not totally directly involved in it. They own like a portion of the mm-hmm. Pokemon company, mm-hmm. but still that brand recognition is there. Then you have the NES Classic as well. People are going still crazy for that. Still really hard to get. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone today that works at Best Buy, and they said they got nine in uh, like that morning, and people were lining up to get them still. And this is after Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so brand rec- recognition and and like retro gaming and Nintendo as a brand are on a high. So I think it's definitely going to sell. It's totally going to sell better than the Wii U. Um, and also just thinking back to the presentation, I think something um, that was interesting is, uh, Shane, how you're saying how people really didn't understand the Wii U. They thought the console was the tablet. At the beginning of the presentation, it was it started off like very slow, but that's because they were going through like meticulously explaining how it works, explaining mm. what it is, showing someone using it on a plane, which looks super cool. I would love to do that. Mm. Um, and then showing someone popping it into uh, like a TV mm-hmm. stand. So I think to a certain extent, Nintendo is now kind of self-aware of what they did wrong with the Wii U. And this is like the Wii U 2. Here, here is what we wanted to do before. Uh, we've solved all the problems that you had. Uh, go buy it for way too much money in Canada. Yeah. So a question for you, Rose. Um, as someone who is, um, I, I think it's safe to say you don't you enjoy games, but you wouldn't consider yourself a gamer, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, casual at best. Ca- so what was your whole opinion on the Switch? Is it something that you could see yourself buying? Is it something yeah. that like, yeah. do you I- see has mainstream? I think mainstream and like conceptually it's so cool. I think Mm -hmm. it could definitely have so much mainstream appeal and also appeal for families and for, you know, people who the real estate of the living room is, is not easy to always gain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I live with roommates and we have uh, an Xbox 360 and TV and it's rare that you actually get to go and play a game for like three hours because mm-hmm. you're not going to get that time. Like other people are going to be in there or like they're going to need to use the TV. Um, the idea of having something that, especially for a casual gamer where you're, where you want to get more involved, mm-hmm. something that you could pick up and keep going as you get on the subway or as you get on the public transport. Um, that's really appealing. That makes me feel like I actually could finish more games even mm-hmm. though i have sort That's of a cool. busy lifestyle yeah. yeah it struck me as the ultimate like canadian cottage console yeah the struggle of like what am i gonna i, I want to you know i can't ding, bring the whole dang xbox yeah. down yeah. up yeah, to yeah, the yeah, cottage yeah. this is nuts yeah. uh you feel crazy doing that but this thing you stick it in your backpack you yeah. got your power cord you know a couple hours at a time for kids this is gonna be huge do you think so though yeah. I mean, so I when I was a kid, I, I did a lot of traveling with my parents, like going back and forth to the cottage and stuff like that. So there's a lot of long car rides. So most of my games were played on the Game Boy. Right. Um, so this, like I was saying before, is like my. Ch- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Childhood dream. Being able to take that game that I was playing at home in the summertime before my parents forced me to go to the cottage to go outside. I could like take that with me still play it in the evenings and still have that same exact experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me as a kid, it would be super cool. I don't know, um, like, about today. So 
Yeah. So there's two, two big things about it that's, that stand out, which and I think you've touched on this in some of your pieces. What is this thing? Is it an Android tablet? What's running yeah. under the surface? Can, can you run Netflix on this thing? What else does it do other than, than be a Nintendo console? If it's just a, pretty much a slave sort of to like whatever uh, Nintendo OS, you know, that play, only plays those cartridges and, and the, the occasional download thing, it, it's, it may not be great for the sort of secondary market. Like, you know, think about every console up until now on the optical disc system has been essentially DVD player as well. It sells for more than one reason. And uh, media players are increasingly a reason why people have a console in their living room. You can play Netflix or Crave or whatever else. Show me while it was alive. Yeah. You could put, you could play that yeah. on the PS4, right? The, the show me, which was amazing uh, for, for its uh, brief life. But I don't know that this thing does any of that. Yeah. I don't know if it has any third party support. And if it doesn't, that limits its functionality. I don't, but I don't I'll, think they've I'll talked say, about it. Either. No, they haven't. No. I'll say this though as well. Unlike other consoles, which you buy once and you keep it for eight years, I still have my original Wii, um, and I still use it. This thing is a tablet, and you could take that out and put new battery power, new 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 processor, and don't having to change too, too much about it if it's running on emulation. We don't really know again. But if it doesn't require that specific hardware and it can be upgraded and be made more power efficient, you could swap it out and it becomes more of a tablet cycle thing. So maybe it's only three years, get a new version of the tablet yeah. has better battery life. You know, those are all possibilities for Nintendo. If they become an actual tech company instead of a game company that makes weird tech, that was what they would do. But we don't know. Yeah, they're... I think that's going to be interesting. And I mean, I, I did a story where I talked to a bunch of Canadian developers about the console. Um, and I won't go into, like, the specific developers. But the general impression was some are, like, super into it. They thought it was cool. This is They're like me. They, this is what they always wanted. Um, whereas others were kind of like, this is this is really stupid, and I don't understand what Nintendo is doing with this. Is it a console? Is it a handheld? I don't want to take the games that I'm building right now for PC and move them over mm-hmm. uh, to this very specific device. Um, but you could say that about uh, a lot of different consoles, right? For uh, sure. But I, I thought it was interesting that developers were a little more keen on it than, than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Sh- Shane, we've mentioned families in this conversation several times, and I think it's important to mention in Canada this the Nintendo Switch starts at $400, yeah. right? Do you think, is this going to be tenable in the Canadian marketplace for this console? Like, does it find, or is this something like the uh, 3DS where six months down the line it got a huge price cut, then it kind of skyrocketed on the price chart? I think Nintendo has helped enormously by the fact that the best version of these new things are more than $1,000. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is more of a daily use type of thing, but like the number of things that you replace on a relatively frequent basis that cost upwards of five eight to eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. is dramatically increased for homes. Mm-hmm. So not every home, but like middle class homes don't blink anymore at spending five hundred dollars on like the thing that they need for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was amazed that this the Sony PlayStation Four had sold like fifty million units, like fifty million mm-hmm. units plus. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's not cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. People buy it though because it does lots of stuff. So mm-hmm. it sold it that much very quickly. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, well, the verdict is still out, and I think we'll have to wait like a year or two to see yeah, whether. Sure. Um, but uh, don't you think we'll know in the first two quarters? We'll know yeah. by we'll know by the fall. I think yeah. whether it's like out of the gate hot, like for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Like NPD will tell us by like October if this thing is going in the right direction. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's true. I mean, with the Wii U. The initial sales were somewhat positive too, but then it, they were crazy. It, it yeah. like dropped off, like plummeted. A cliff, yeah. So I mean, I, I guess what you were saying is like that could happen again with this, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, it might not take a year. I think we'll have to wait like six months, eight months before seeing what really, mm-hmm. what really happens with it in terms of sales. 
Uh, so Shane mentioned uh, watching Netflix on the Switch, uh, which is appropriate because... Segway. Talk. That's, a good, that's a good segue. Um, blatant segue. Blatant, one might say. Um, yeah, there's talk once again in Canada of imposing, quote-unquote, a Netflix tax. We'll get into exactly what that means. Um, and you know what? Actually, I've let my two other hosts explain the topic this time. Shane, do you want to maybe take us through what's being proposed? Uh, to be honest, I don't yeah. even know the genesis of like yeah. who is it that believes this is going to be imposed. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not really 100% clear who okay. thinks that this is coming. I, I know that it's been talked about from the context of like the, the heritage minister's overhaul of mm-hmm. everything to do with culture. From that perspective, it's kind of like, is this for creators? Then maybe that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective and from a lot of people's perspective, when you start talking about um, adding taxes or, or different tax collection methods, because let's be clear, you already are taxed for digital services you buy on the Internet, particularly if they have operations in Canada, you pay sales tax. Mm-hmm. Like if you're buying Office 365, you're paying sales tax on that. Yeah. Um, Netflix, you don't because they have no operation here. But that's not actually even untaxed. You're just supposed to self-report. Mm-hmm. So, like, the question of, like, what is this tax and what, you know, what form could it take and how is it going to be, it's really all about sort of implementation, and I don't mm-hmm. really yeah. know who it's for. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's for creators, if it's just for pure revenue generation, if it's just because the, kids have, the TV companies are mad as hell that Netflix gets to operate a VOD service and doesn't have to be a part of the CRTC mm-hmm. oversight or anything else. Like, it's, it's not clear to me exactly mm-hmm. who, who or what this tax is aimed to do. Rogers, I can't remember what executive it is, but at some point someone blamed some of Show Me's troubles on the fact that it is not required. Uh, I, I mean, that Netflix has to pay. Uh, Netflix doesn't have to pay taxes that Show Me does. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. I think uh, Jessica mentioned that in her Show Me story, like the big thing that she did about right. people leaving the company. Yeah, I believe so. Which I mean, it's a situation. Yeah, yeah, that's not why. That's no, not no, why. no, I know it's <laughs> not. It's, not, it's yeah. not. It's not. We should say. Um, but so, yeah, like that is, I think that there's there's two different forms of paying taxes that like Show Me has to do or had to do, um, that Netflix does not have to do. There's the sales tax, and then there's also contributing to the Can- Canadian Media Fund. Mm-hmm. So like you said, for creators, and I think there are angry parties on all sides, right? There, of course, the the big um, media companies are frustrated that they would um, not be, t- or that they would be taxed, and Netflix wouldn't. And I think they're advocating, and I think to a certain extent, like uh, the, probably the Canadian Media Fund is also advocating. Um, we've been hearing whispers about, uh, well, not whispers, but we've been hearing about this sort of going through uh, different machi- machinations in the government for a while. But um, to my mind, I don't think a sales tax makes sense. Because they don't have any physical operations in Canada, right? right. So it's a service, though. It's a, you know, goods and services. That's that's what the sales tax is for, right? And and so digital services, like you already pay them. You already pay taxes on a ton of them that you sure. get over the internet. Oh, like I Am- completely Amazon, agree. Amazon, I believe you do. Yeah. I think, yeah. But that's but they found a loophole that is quite frankly legal there. But what I do think is that oh no, if this isn't a question of whether they're being illegal. I don't think the question is. Um, right now, there's well, a potential policy void, and it's like, how yeah. will we address it? You know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. It's, we're not, no one's saying Netflix is being a bad actor, good, except good for good the point. TV companies. They, they, <laughs> right. they think that. Yeah. But they have uh, a vested interest to say that. Right. right. I mean, yeah. but that's always the case with incumbents versus yeah. upstarts. They look for any tool, any wedge, uh, any cudgel. But, I mean, I think 
what is the policy void and what is it supposed to address? Right. I, I honestly am not clear, you know, even do we need, like, we were talking about this before, back in the envelope math for like a Netflix sales tax, you're talking like maybe 12 bucks a year for the average household and there's maybe four and a half million Canadians who have yeah. Netflix. That's not a major revenue source, you know? No. And I, my opinion is that they are a bad actor in the sense that they're not contributing to Canadian content. Right. And I know people will disagree with me on that. A lot of people are not sure that we even need uh, subsidies or stuff to support Canadian content. Um, but I'm on the other side of that. Net- Netflix would argue, um, and I know this because I've talked to people from Netflix, they would say that they are not officially, like in, in, in actually in a monetary way, but they're creating... Uh, opportunities for the Canadian film industry like they'll give Trailer Park Boys as an example and they'll talk about like the 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 Anne of Green Gables joint production with uh, CBC whether like I I don't know enough about the subject to say whether or not that's like an actual contribution but that's what they would respond to with with that yeah their argument is like we're funding shows that wouldn't get made yeah exactly like and I think it's kind of surprising the Canadian um, there aren't more Canadian shows on Netflix just from the perspective of that's good money go get that money $600 Six hundred yeah. million dollars. They said they want to spend this year on content, right? Like, there's a ton of BBC shows that get co-produced with Netflix. Um, you know, ITV even. You know, we don't even get all of them because some of them get snapped up by other uh, rights providers. But uh, you know, like it's it's out there. And if yeah. you if you have a script or an idea or you know, like right now, you would imagine like something like Orphan Black. Like if Orphan Black didn't have a, a, a partner and it was being created right now. Like, that would totally be a Netflix show. You know, Netflix would step in at that yeah. and see that at Sundance mm-hmm. where it was like, we want that show. So where are the Canadian creators, you know, um, in terms of adding content? I don't know where that story is. I'm really not into the, the culture business and my side of things. But, you know, I sit near uh, folks who know more about this. And, <laughs> and uh, they're also skeptical about the potential impact of the contribution to the media fund. I mean, you know, as you say, there's controversy about whether the media fund spends its money wisely. I, I don't think that's really something netflix wants to get into arguing mm-hmm. you know like that's a bad a dangerous area to to get into sure yeah it um, definitely is and i think that you know they they also struggle they this fine line of like not wanting to be so adversarial with the government that the government starts to say but wait you are a vod service and you know like what's the difference between you you're like a free rider you know you're not even like uh you know vtv or whatever the uh, an iptv provider who pipes cable you don't pay anything to put these shows you know, we don't pay anything into our system. We have all these, you know, carriage agreements and, you know, like, why why are you allowed to do this? Like, I think they yeah. don't want those questions to be asked. Right. So, yeah. you know, they maybe they may be cooperative on like a simple, we will help you collect sales tax rather than we will like to be regulated by you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So the, you feel like there would be less regulation of just a simple sales tax than, oh, you have to make a certain contribution to the like, Canadian Media Fund. Like, I feel like government is very much like sort of in the in the result business. Mm. You know, like if you can give government a result that they can say we have a result, mm-hmm. then everybody's happy, even if it doesn't right, necessarily right. achieve your policy goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like we did something about Netflix. Great. Yeah. And one also has to say, like, you know, what's – there's no uh, – there's no cost, more or less, for Netflix to impose to collect this tax for the government, right? Like they just well, they hand it off. Cost, yeah, but yeah. There's some cost, I mean, but marginal. it's relatively minor, right? Like they hand it the money off to the government. What's the loss in subscribers? It's like you said just earlier in the switch segment. Like people are willing to spend four hundred dollars on a console. Wouldn't subscriber fees end up going up though? But would like, they do who... that to offset it? Like. So, but what Shane said in the pre-podcast was like, I don't even look at that cost anymore. It's, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, I just pay mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how many people, like, 
they can't imagine life without Netflix, right? I don't yeah. have cable. Mm-hmm. Netflix is my cable, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, so the value, it's already like so cheap compared to the value, right? Yeah. Like, I think we all know this. Netflix is the best deal in content. Like it's so cheap compared to the hours you could watch. And if, if you don't use it, that's your thing. But like you could watch hours and hours mm-hmm. of television and movies for like no money at all yep. compared to any other source. This is well, true. You just watch one movie and you've already gotten more value than a movie ticket. Right. Right. You did it at home. Yeah. Or on or your phone. Even less. Yeah. At the you airport. Pay, spent less than at the theater. Right. Yeah. Like with how expensive movie tickets are right now at theaters. Yeah. I think I've said it before on the podcast that I would probably gladly pay like a little bit more for Netflix mm-hmm. and, yep. and still be totally cool with it. Like it wouldn't be an issue for me. Yeah. Um, even if like I wasn't getting a higher tier of service or anything, but if it had them, if it helped them make more content or mm-hmm. even if there wasn't more content, like whatever, it's fine. Four more dollars totally cool with that i would say that if i saw like a concrete result like we're raising the price but we're also going to produce four canadian shows specifically every year Mm. then i would be even more ready to pay that extra fee that's interesting yeah it's i mean this is a whole other can of worms (laughs) right like you know what defines good canadian content and so on and like we we don't even know right here this na- right here some good canadian <laughs> yeah. content. Yeah. yeah maybe um so on that note uh we're running short on time so as our is as or excuse me as is our tradition we end with shout outs uh shame will save you for last so we've got some time <laughs> to think of yours uh pat do you want to lead us off yeah sure um so my shout out's going to go to nintendo Mm-hmm. Um, I love that the company's still weird. I love that it's still uh, incredibly Japanese. Uh, I love that what the Switch is, that mm-hmm. it's it's like this thing that I've always wanted as a kid. Um, so, so my shout-out goes to uh, Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shout-out goes to Samsung for being the hands-down most interesting tech company <laughs> oh, yeah. in the news right now. Yep. Um, you know the the I believe it's the president of Samsung that is vice current, chairman, yeah, vice yeah. chairman that's currently they want to get a warrant for his arrest for yeah. cronyism of various sorts and I mean it's a crazy story I don't think I could do justice to it mm-hmm. but also shout out to Samsung because I'm just really excited to see the S8 mm-hmm. uh, in April and we've been seeing some more credible leaks. Um, including just how thin the bezels are going to be. That was a cool one. You did, you yeah. did that last night. I yeah, that was mm-hmm. last night. And the, um, David Ruddick of the Android Police also pointed out that there were these rounded edges that could point towards the whole corners being rounded, which mm-hmm. would be kind of a different and interesting look. That'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, excited. Uh, my shout-out goes to President Obama for not only finishing his term, but uh, for... Um, uh, commuting is it uh, the right term? Uh, Chelsea Manning's uh, sentence, or uh, but also, but then he didn't commute, or uh, I guess uh, pardon Snowden. So as right. I said at the start, you take what you get and leave the rest. <laughs> Shane, uh, I'm going to shout out to uh, an app called uh, Me Too or Me Too Shushu. Depends on you know the version of it. The uh, so it's a Chinese uh, app. And, well, mainland China, Singapore, Chinese just diaspora. It's mostly a Photoshop app, and so in China, it's totally different than what it's suddenly appearing in. You may have seen these like hilariously overproduced photos of like Donald Trump with like pink rainbows <laughs> and like all his wrinkles smoothed out, his weird yeah. raccoon things I think are I've gone. Seen this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are exploding all over like white North American internet now after having 500 million users in China for like since 2008. This company's been around. They're valued in the billions. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're suddenly discovering this company and their in their little app. 
Um, I, I just wanted to point out, as, as fun as it is to make these awesome, like, over, over, overly, uh, you know, sort of crazy-looking things, there was a great piece as well about, like, the reaction that we, that white people have sometimes to to things like this, where they say, this is so Chinese and so crazy, and ah, oh, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like, the, so it's referred to as sort of like ex, the exotica yep. of another culture, and it's like, mm-hmm. listen, they, they don't actually use it like this. You know, we're, right. all the white people who are taking this app and are like, turning up to 100 to make it look like yeah. a weird, oh. weird avatar, they're doing the weird version. They're the weird ones, not mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. Chinese people that they stole this app from. So Yeah, absolutely. Put that out there. That's a great point. Um, so Shane, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter at, at Shane Dingman and also at the Globe and Mail. You can find me there at globemail.com and mm-hmm. I have an email there if you want to send me some tips. It's all good. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Um, and we sincerely hope you'll join us again sometime soon. I'd love to. All right. Sounds good. Uh, that's it for us for this week. Uh, we'll see you hopefully next week. I don't know, man. At this rate. Thanks again for listening. Uh, oh, right. Shane, or uh, not Shane, excuse me, Zach would uh, be very angry <laughs> for me if I didn't say this. Make sure to follow Mobile Syrup on Twitter, where it's at Mobile Syrup. On Instagram, I also believe it's at, Mobile, at Mobile Syrup. Syrup. Facebook, you guessed it, at Mobile Syrup. Uh, and we're at whatever. Snap, uh, Snapchat, I think, is Mobile mm-hmm. Syrup, too. Okay. Well, we, we, we got the, the market cornered on every social media platform right. in any case. with Mobile Syrup. You'd be remiss not to smash that like, like button. Yeah. Yes. In any case, whatever your social media platform of choice is, make sure to follow us. (laughs) Until then, take care, guys. Peace out. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.